0: Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm Kirsten. And this is Most Foul. It's podcast record day! Yay! (sighs) It's so nice to take a break and talk about some horrible things.
1: Yeah, totally. I know, I haven't had enough murder in my life in the last couple weeks without you.
0: Yeah, I I feel a little guilty that uh you've been swamped in work mm-hmm. and pressure and I'm coming to this <laughs> hot off of uh a week in Hawaii. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's okay, but I did purposely not go on to social at all cuz I just couldn't see. I could not look. I'm sorry. I had to look away. I was, uh...
0: A real poster. Yeah, I... I mean, one Instagram feed post a day. Mm-hmm. That's all I will allow.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and a maximum of five Instagram story segments a day.
2: That
1: because feels... I have
0: standards. That
1: feels reasonable to me.
0: <laughs> I think this is where the audience can hear that uh, we work in marketing yeah. and social media posting and goals and metrics are a part of that and I try to make sure if I'm going to post a feed post it has to be of a certain quality level Mm -hmm. and then I'm not going to do more than one a day
1: (laughs) yeah no I I don't I just am like I'm Gen X and nobody expects more from me so (laughs) yeah I remember one time because we work in marketing I did I did the the uh, stories our organization's main Instagram. <laughs> and I did like 20 segments, and the person who I work with was horrified. <laughs> like, did I overdo it? And she's like, you know, plastered smile on her face. No, it was fine. <laughs> but, you know, I am what I am, as Popeye would say.
0: I'm on Twitter all the time. So I hope the deal falls through. Yeah. I hate that soy boy beta cuck Elon yeah. Musk he's, uh... he's so pathetic and all of these incel losers that worship him and are on I'm, I'm a lot of them are bots but a lot of them are real people mm-hmm. I, I equate them with libertarians who just like would do anything to please their rich capitalism daddy yeah
1: it's it's such a weird phenomenon and he is just so uh weird not charismatic no that's what's so strange is ugly yeah well and lately not not aging well
0: whose parents owned an emerald mine in apartheid South Africa, and he hasn't invented. He bought Tesla. He didn't create Tesla. Yeah, (laughs) I know.
1: It's just gross from start to finish, yeah. And I think we should really drag him so hard. Like, we usually try to not drag people, except for, like, our murderers and stuff. But we should drag him, because then that could make us famous. He might hear it, We'll, we'll at him. And then he'll like call us pedo people. And then, and then everybody will find out about our podcast.
0: Which, first of all, what he did to that man. Yeah. Absolutely unforgivable, unredeemable. Yeah. That is enough for me to never forgive or trust him. Yeah.
1: Just that one thing. He's canceled. He's canceled for life. Like, yeah.
0: And then. It's, oh, they just worship him. It is so nasty.
1: I know, it is nasty. It is nasty. And it's, like, also nasty adjacent with the Amber Heard thing and, like, that whole hot fucking mess. But I was so happy to hear about the emails or the whatever, the texts, where she was like, oh, I was just filling a space when she dated him. He's like... <laughs> just a whatever oh I so getting to our cultural stuff we usually talk about what we've been watching I just last night with my husband re-binged Russian Doll in preparation for season two and the part of like do you you watched it yeah
0: when I tell you that I re-binged season one of Russian Doll and then immediately binged season two of oh, Russian Doll
1: yeah I'm ready I'm ready to begin so don't I haven't even started season two don't say Sweet you, birthday, baby <laughs> but Mike right so Mike when he's like I'm not a choice I'm just a space where a choice should be and that's totally like that's basically what Amber Heard was saying about him like he was just like marking time a big like human dildo
0: yes <laughs> and then speaking of her i have not followed it i am not qualified enough to have an opinion clearly she's bad but it was like i think a world exists where they're both bad
1: oh my god <laughs> they're both awful and i was just reading this morning or yesterday how it's people are saying that he's kind of like redeeming himself and all of this that's and what I'm i like, keep seeing too how how they both look like horrible human beings and actually i purposely led us down this garden path because i feel like it's very relevant to the case that we're talking about today so i'm trying to like take some of the heavy lift transition
0: queen yes
1: this was very not so queenish that i won't talk about it and point out (laughs) what i'm doing but yes
0: (laughs) but yeah i I keep seeing the same thing, like, he's redeemed, he's redeemed, he's redeemed. And it's like, you can have a relationship where both people are abusers.
1: Right, and they're both garbage. And I, I mean, I was never a huge fan of his. Like, he was, you know, easy on the eyes when he was younger. But I was never East. like, oh, he could never do any wrong or, like, nothing like that. But she always gave me, like vibes and as someone who's like had their own mental health struggle and my own diagnoses like and considers myself to be an unqualified qualified psychiatrist (laughs) (laughs) i feel like you know i felt very vindicated when and obviously it was someone testifying for him but said like she had some personality disorders and I got that vibe off of her, like, from day one. And I and I gave, like, my own kind of history only because sometimes it takes one to know one. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm like her in all the ways. I don't think I'm garbage. But um, there were things I recognized there and I saw right from the beginning. Again, as you say, it never made me think, oh, Johnny's a great guy. But I was like, she has issues, like... That seemed pretty clear to me right from the jump.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's my soapbox to stand on Mm -hmm. that one out of every 25 people is a sociopath. One out of every 100 people is a psychopath. Mm -hmm. And the book The Sociopath Next Door should be required reading (laughs) because as people who have empathy, it is nearly impossible for us to understand people who don't. Right right and we make excuses we give the benefit of the doubt again and again because they are a different brained person yeah they do not live in the same emotional (laughs) empathetic world as us yeah and so there's no way to actually understand
1: right 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 and i
0: think especially with our podcast and true crime like having a personality disorder doesn't make you a murderer, but there is a reverse of a lot of murderers do.
1: Right, right, for sure. And I think, you know, if you get the right combination of personality traits and then the right circumstances and you get in this kind of like combustible situation, then bad things often happen. hmm Yeah.
0: And much like our case today. I mean, I didn't even put that together, but so similar. Yeah. And just right off the bat, and we've already talked about this in just our brief, but for the listener too, like, like as we get into the crime, talking about the victim, it, it's not victim blaming. What happened to her is absolutely terrible, but I, we do, in fairness, have to talk about some of the details of her life that are less than savory, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a 1000%, we never want to partake in victim blaming. And, you know, I think when we talk about a particular crime, we have to talk about the things that that led to it. And yeah, I mean, we want to be truthful, but I think there are a lot of similarities. And I think we can kind of point to some as we go through and thankfully that one seems like it's turning out differently um Mm -hmm. but yeah
0: oh and one last piece and this will come up again too Mm -hmm. but just specifically about johnny depp and amber heard they're actors so like crying in a courtroom i mean i hate to be that cynical but like that's also a job skill that they have
1: (laughs) right right absolutely absolutely
0: so it yeah all this like like i keep seeing especially on twitter like clips and things that are like look at johnny depp's face in this moment and it like could all be very real but at the same time he is a star caliber actor or at least he was yeah so it's like again i do not have the research my opinion is based on very little and i think it's that abuse happened possibly in both directions and they're both bad
1: (laughs) yep i mean it's basically like two not upstanding people who partook in a lot of drinking and drugs and had violent tendencies kind of came together and like yeah mess 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 everywhere but yeah johnny has not redeemed himself in my eyes i mean it's hard to i've been low I've had, you know, relationships end just about as badly as it's possible, short of the stories that we tell on our podcast. And I've never talked about fucking someone's burnt corpse to make sure they're dead. I mean, like, what? That's, That's next not a, level. A That's... normal
0: thing you say to people.
1: <laughs> That's next level. And if anything, I actually kind of liked Paul Bettany <laughs> before this. <laughs> And he's a great actor. But now I'm just like, bro, what? Like, (laughs) I mean, there's like supporting your friends. And then there's like, dude, you need help, right? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) wow. Yeah. So are we ready to jump into the case that we have on hand today? Yes. So today we are talking about the murder of Bonnie Lee Bakley and bonnie lee was born in 1956 in new jersey to a pretty normal family a father who was an arborist and ironically her mom's maiden name was gardner which is just oh wow neither here nor there (laughs) and she grew up with uh three siblings and had a pretty kind of normal life. Her parents divorced when she was young, and her mom remarried. She has a, a younger half-brother. But things seemed to kind of go a little bit off course for her from a fairly young age. Bonnie dropped out of high school when she was just 16, and she went to New York City with um, kind of stars in her eyes. She wanted to pursue modeling and acting, and she went to kind of the the place to go in those days if you had dreams of being a model and you were in New York which is the Barbizon School of Modeling and at a really young age she began her habit of marrying um and then divorcing That's
0: a great way of putting it.
1: <laughs> so she met someone almost as soon as she got to New York so still a teenager he was an immigrant, and she agreed to marry him, essentially to give him a green card to stay in the country. But whatever happened, it went it went off course almost immediately. She divorced him, and he was um, deported. Mm. Yeah. By 21, she was married again, and this time it was her first cousin, a man named Paul Galrin. And... They were actually married for the longest time. This was her longest marriage in her life. They were married for five years. And, you know, some stability. Um, They seemed somewhat happy. They had two children while they were together. But Bonnie just had these big dreams. And being a housewife and a mom just didn't really fit into what she had in mind for herself. Mm -hmm. So... The couple divorced, and from what I could tell, she left the children with her ex-husband to kind of go off and pursue this life that she wanted. So around this time, she started doing a mail order kind of business. So again, we're talking 70s, early 80s. She did a mail order business sending nude pictures. So there's no internet. If you want Mm -hmm. porn, you either go to kind of like a seedy, gross place, or you order it. Um, through the mail so or you
0: could do it we did which is look in the woods <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes yes that well...
0: uh long days gone where i guess people would just hide like a playboy in the woods i guess Maybe like they didn't want their wife or somebody to find it. I I I truly don't know, but I feel like that's sort of a like common thing where you would just like find a Playboy in the woods. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I that doesn't exist anymore because of the internet. But yeah, yeah, it it's like a weird or or your like friend's older brother or something. Yeah. 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 It was just like, oh yeah, you might there might be porn in the woods. Who knows? <laughs>
1: That seems like maybe that's a Mississippi thing, but I don't know. Listener, if you have experience with finding porn in the woods, please write and let us know. (laughs) (laughs) But Bonnie was not about to let the youth of America have to fend for themselves in the wood like that. She, She had her mail order business going. She sent nude pictures of women, including herself, to men over 18, and she also ran what are called lonely heart ads. And I I don't know that younger people will know what that means. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but that was kind of a thing then is essentially lonely heart ads in newspapers and people could write in and then you would either connect in person or you'd write letters or you'd write letters and send pictures or, you know, she advertised for companionship. So, I mean, I think it's Fairly safe to say that she had some level of sex work going on at this time, but it's not specified. Mm-hmm. And um, that has
0: just transitioned to, like, tender.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think that this is all still around. It's just the technology has kind of changed.
0: Because, like, the tender swindler and lonely heart scams are people are acting as if it's new. Right. Because it's like, well, dating app scams are a billion dollar industry and it's like, yeah, but this was in the mail, in the newspaper, like Mm -hmm. it the tech just changed. Like the the thing has always been there.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a spectrum between the kind of, you know, dating for dinners kind of level and then to more involved companionship and then escorting and you know I, I don't know that she did proper escorting or anything like that but I think that was kind of an area that she felt comfortable with obviously she was an attractive young woman and mm-hmm. she used that to her advantage to kind of make her way in the city and in life at that time Eventually, her scams, though, really started bringing in money for her, and she bought several houses in Memphis, Tennessee, and one outside of Los Angeles. After her time in New York, she kind of moved west, and her dream started really centering around attaching to a celebrity in Los Angeles. I think she wanted a career for herself, but she also felt like if that wasn't possible, she could be kind of around celebrities, dating celebrities, um, and be kind of in that in that lifestyle.
0: Yeah. And I think also it opens the doors for her own career, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. During all of this time, though, as she kind of moved westward, she continued doing her scams and various kind of... Um, low level illegal things. I think she did some check kiting and things like that. So mm-hmm. she had some run-ins with the law again, very low level, some drug possession she had fines, you know, sentenced to probation. she had a period of time when she was sentenced to work on a penal farm, which I didn't even know those were still things. I'm assuming this is in the south somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> which we love the South i I'm not I'm not um dissing but that feels like a particularly southern kind of institution and all of this time i think you know she's kind of she's getting older her looks are fading she's continuing to marry um but it's hard to say really if these were marriages that were part of her scams or if she really had any feelings for the people but none of them lasted more than you know, a couple of years, I read that her shortest marriage was actually a day long. So maybe the record for the shortest marriage out there. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. There's probably some that are less than a day, but.
0: Yeah, it was, was Britney's.
1: Hers was like 50 72. hours. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd have to be like a very energetic kind of person to get married and annulled on the same day, just like logistically to go. Well, to... and in
0: business hours. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So there are some hurdles there, but yeah, so, you know, I think that it's just during this time, her life was very unstable. It All the things that I read about her say, though, that she did care for her children and she continued to send money to her ex-husband for the children and care for them in that way, but she wasn't really a part of their lives day to day. As time went on, though, she did develop something of an obsession with celebrities and with becoming part of celebrity culture. She had a a pretty decent history with kind of being obsessed with various celebrities, dating different folks, kind of following people around, not to the level of stalking any one particular person, but she was quoted one time as saying, quote, being around celebrities, it makes you feel better than other people, end quote. Mm. So again, when we talk about people who have certain kind of mental issues, maybe personality disorders. Um, It's like, seems like something inside of her is missing here. You know, some kind of void that she's trying to fill or trying to, you know, supplement, you know, her Mm -hmm. lacking self-image with, you know.
0: Well, yeah, not to diagnose, but I wondered about like, clinical narcissism Mm -hmm. like the lifestyle she like air quote deserves or yeah yeah i had some thoughts kind of in that direction of like because celebrity worship is weird i guess that even goes back to our musk chat but like yeah it feels like there's something outside of normal
1: yeah i mean i think i think that's fair to say and You know, again, we're not judging her. We're just kind of talking about her life. And and I think she had a fairly unstable life in adulthood. I think that's pretty fair to say. And there are several personality disorders that have some level of narcissism as a feature. You know, obviously, there's narcissistic personality disorder. But histrionic personality disorder Mm -hmm. also has some elements of narcissism. And really, any kind of moderate to severe mental illness has narcissism associated with it because at a certain point, and again, I feel like I'm speaking from experience here, you're so sick that all you can do is focus on yourself and either trying to get better or just trying to cope and get through the day. So Mm -hmm. it's not even necessarily the kind of like malignant narcissism that we sometimes talk about, but it's just like a pathological self-centeredness because, and it doesn't have to be coming from a place of like, I deserve the best or grandiosity. It can just simply be all of my energy and focus is on me because it kind of has to be, you know, because you're not able to kind of function at a certain level. And that's kind of what I feel like is going on here. I mean, the celebrity obsession, on the one hand, is really easy to look at that and say, oh, she just wanted more for herself. But like, there seems to be a really kind of deep sadness is not the right word, but like void that it was covering. It doesn't seem to be coming from this place of like she thinks she's better than everyone, but from a place of trying to like convince herself that she's even equal to anyone.
0: Well, and I know that she was scamming too but i i feel like there was validity to the lonely part of the lonely heart stuff yeah. like i then again who knows we don't know her mm-hmm. but i feel like probably was lonely even with all the marriages mm-hmm. and like trying to just figure out life
1: yeah yeah and you know i think as i read through this again Neither of us have met her. She's not alive to speak for herself now. But in reading this, I don't get the sense of someone who was scamming, like, for the enjoyment of scamming, you know? It really does have a whiff of, like, survival. And obviously, it's more than survival. She bought homes and she wanted to live in this lavish way. But I don't know. There's just something that really kind of reeks of desperation under all of it rather mm-hmm. than like I'm a narcissist living my best life and I don't care who I hurt and I'm just loving life like it doesn't nothing I read about her really feels like that. Yeah. So, as she was in um Los Angeles, she met a lot of celebrities and I actually as I'm reading this, I didn't know it was that easy to just meet celebrities wherever you go in LA. I've never lived there, but she began pursuing uh Jerry Lee Lewis, the singer. In 1990 and famously
0: she, married his cousin as well
1: yeah <laughs> also pedo yes esque ish totes I don't know like that's, that's a, probably
0: a more important part of the story <laughs> yeah, a, a, a horrific nightmare
1: yes um, who happened to be able to bang on keys in a pleasing way so she did eventually find a way to meet him and she became friends with his sister She claimed in 1993 that when she gave birth to her third child, that it was Jerry Lee Lewis's child. But DNA tests later disproved that as false. And her third child's father was never known, not publicly anyway. After her hopes of claiming paternity with Jerry Lee Lewis for this third child were kind of dashed, She sent that child back to the East Coast to live with her ex-husband and her other two children. And again, she continued to send financial support. But she moved on from Lewis to pursue other celebrities like Dean Martin, Frankie Valli, and Gary Busey, which just like the strangest collection of men. (laughs) And she claimed that when she was a teenager, she actually dated Frankie Valli, and he denied that fact. But it's clear that her desire to be in that world and to be attached to a celebrity in a real kind of sustained way went back pretty far. Mm -hmm. She then kind of became interested in Christian Brando, who was the eldest son of Marlon Brando. And he was really kind of in the public eye in the early 90s. He was tried for murder after he killed his half sister's boyfriend and this was kind of a huge um, deal at the time very sad life i feel like that is a whole other episode unto itself but brando eventually pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter and he was sentenced to 10 years in prison so while christian brando was in prison. Bakely essentially kind of started her mail order scam with him, her Lonely Hearts thing. She started writing to him in prison, sending him photos, and trying to make a connection there. And when he was released in 1996, they actually started a romantic relationship. In 1999, she discovered that she was pregnant. And she initially thought, and I think really hoped, that Brando was the child's father. Mm Mm-hmm. She gave birth to the child and, and she named that child Christian Shannon Brando. But while she had been involved with Christian, she started dating the actor, Robert Blake, who she met in 1999 at a club in Los Angeles. After the birth of her daughter, she told Blake that she wasn't sure it could have been his, or it could have been Christian's and he demanded a paternity test. And that paternity test determined that Robert Blake was the father of Mm -hmm. her fourth and youngest child. After paternity was established, it sounds like she pretty much stopped seeing Brando. And she legally changed the name of her child to Rose Lenore Sophia Blake. Blake, around that time, I mean, it sounds like they never really had much of a relationship. It was more... You know, it sounds like they had a fling or they were, Uh you know, friends with benefits or whatever. But around this time and after the birth of their child, Blake agreed to marry Bakely, but he had some conditions on it. He wanted her to sign a temporary custody agreement. And under that agreement, Bakely agreed to monitored visits with Rose to Mm -hmm. get written permission for her friends and family to visit their property so they were going to be married but she would have to get written permission to have her friends or family over
0: yeah this was the part where i was like i i I was unfamiliar with all of this i just had the vague knowledge of what happens yeah Uh, but as i was digging in for my side it was like what the fuck is this marriage
1: it's very strange and then one of the other and i think kind of most critical um conditions that was part of this agreement is that it stipulated if either of them decided to end the marriage the other spouse would get the child so if bonnie wanted a divorce Blake would get the child. If Blake wanted a divorce, Bonnie would get the child.
0: That is fucked.
1: <laughs> Super fucked, right? But I think, you know, again, I I don't know Robert Blake. I, I'm just, this is pure conjecture. In his mind, he's looking at someone with nine marriages under her belt. I mm-hmm. think he's thinking, He doesn't really want to be married to her. They never really had, like, a loving relationship. They had sex, obviously. But what are the chances she's going to want to stay married to him for very long? Right? She's never been married to anyone for very long. So I think he thought of this as a way to maybe backdoor get full custody of his daughter.
0: Which is interesting because she gave away her other kids.
1: Right, right, right. But again, her end game was to attach herself to him mm-hmm. and not let go. So she didn't want to mother the children that were born to non celebrity fathers. But perhaps her orientation to this one might be just a little bit different.
0: Because I read it in a darker way, mm. which was like if I want out of this, you're not sticking me with the kid. Mm. So like you haven't kept any of your other children. Mm. And if we're in this relationship, and I decide to end it, you're keeping that kid, not me, which, again, I don't know these people. (laughs) This is just conjecture. But I also read it with that lens of like, maybe he wasn't altruistic either.
1: Oh, I don't think he was altruistic at all. I think we're just, you have one idea of how he was not thinking altruistically, and I have a different idea, but <laughs> mine also has him coming from a pretty not altruistic place, which I think my my uh, conjecture is more correct, only because in the end, all he did was trap himself with her, because I want to be careful, because these children are still alive, and We don't know her. We're not victim blaming. But I think it's pretty clear that what she was trying to get out of the relationship was, you know, be celebrity adjacent, maybe use his contacts for her own career. You know, I don't think that she felt anything for him. And I don't think she didn't love her child. But I think it was different in this situation because the Mm -hmm. child was kind of what cemented her to him. And he she wanted him. And what came with him again conjecture don't know her don't know any of them
0: you're swaying me because and if he has the child she loses all access outside of like alimony right like but if she has the child she is still connected and forced into his life
1: mm-hmm. yeah and, and again i don't think that he thought that she wouldn't be the first to fold Mm -hmm. right i think he was betting on her saying saying yeah like let's get divorced and And i think
0: it's fair to say it was a different time and there were different expectations of getting married when you have an unplanned child Mm. because it i still just don't understand why (laughs) like the marriage doesn't seem to have been a real marriage from the beginning
1: I think, I mean, so a couple of things. One, it wasn't that different in terms of expectation of getting married. I think for him it might have been a little different because at that time he was already much older. So he is of an even earlier time. He's older than her. and But I think more than that, I think what was very different then versus now is when people didn't marry – the man basically had very little claim to a child. So I my what I think is he really cared about that child and wanted that child and without marrying her, I think he realized he would have very little chance of ever getting full custody or mm. even hanging on to shared custody. So yeah. that is that time was I think really different in that way. If a couple never married, the mom just kind of became the de facto parent. That makes um, sense. So I think that is kind of like the bigger shift. But I think what ended up happening is he couldn't divorce her. He 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 locked himself in because again, I don't think he thought that she wouldn't seek, yeah. a, divor- seek a divorce. I think he thought he knew how it would play out, but it didn't. I think so I mean we'll we'll continue and and get to the crime but I think that agreement was kind of the beginning that set the course for everything that mm-hmm. came after I think in my in my uh version of of events so yeah they had this weird agreement she agreed to it even though all the people in her life and her attorney actually advised against it everyone said this is a very lopsided agreement but she she knew what she wanted and she wanted yeah, to be goal. yeah she wanted to be married to a hollywood star and you'll go into this but you know the name right now doesn't mean all that much but even in in 2005 or 2000 2001 it he wasn't you know much of a huge name but had a huge career mm-hmm earlier, and you'll go into all that, I'm sure. So they had this strange arrangement, and they never actually even lived together. So he had a a nice home in Studio City. The child and Bonnie actually lived in the guest house beside his residence, so technically on his property, but they never lived as, you know, husband and wife in a traditional sense. Mm -hmm. So during this time, you know, I think... I don't know what I think. How how do you even like put yourself in the, the mind space of a weird fucked up relationship like this? Yeah. But it sounds like it was pretty rocky. They fought. You know, he was distrustful. I think he knew about kind of her past. He eventually hired a private investigator to find out more about her. And I think he found more. You know, yeah. I think he probably knew she had been married a couple of times and dated around. But I think... After hiring this private investigator, he found out about her scams and her various run-ins with the law and all of that. I think that's when he fully understood what had transpired, that she really didn't care too much for him as a human being and that mm-hmm. it was pretty transactional. And he also found out that she was continuing to run that Lonely heart scam during the marriage. Oh, yeah. So, you know... Again, I don't have any documentation or records or interviews of how this made him feel, but, you know, that's got to be pretty upsetting. And especially someone who does have a certain level of celebrity. We all know what celebrity gossip is like, if people got wind of this, you know. And he's at an age at this point, I think he was into his 60s, that he's probably thinking about his legacy and what is this going to look like? And, you know, we'll get more into it. I don't think he's any kind of like pious person to hold up as a wonderful human being. But I think up until this point, he had had a pretty kind of standard life, you know, without scandal or whatever. So, you know, I don't know how he took it. Probably not all that great, I would assume. So they had been married in November of 2000. And it didn't really take very long for everything to just really unravel. Mm Mm-hmm. By early 2001, reports have them as very unhappy. But then the crime that all of this is leading to takes place in May of 2001. So, I mean, we're talking about six months after marriage. So, again, I don't have a detailed day-to-day timeline, but it went from a place where he thought that it wouldn't be a terrible idea to, you know, become legally bonded to this person to... Things kind of really disintegrating. But on the evening of May 4th, 2001, Blake and Bakley went out to dinner. So things must have still been at least at a civil place. They went to dinner at a restaurant called Vitello's, which was in Studio City where they lived. And reports on the details of of this vary a little bit, but they reportedly left the restaurant and walked to the car where they were parked around the block from the restaurant. And Robert Blake said later that he had forgotten a gun at the restaurant, which...
0: Also crazy.
1: (laughs) Weird, crazy, yes, strange. And while he was in the restaurant or on his way to or from the restaurant... Bonnie was killed with a single gunshot wound to the head while she was sitting in the passenger seat of his car. Now, from here, it it just all kind of goes into the celebrity realm, right? Mm-hmm. This became a huge case immediately. And there were lots of theories. He had, you know, a pretty strong alibi because he had gone back to the restaurant but almost immediately, he came up as a suspect in kind of a murder for hire plot mm-hmm. that he maybe had his bodyguard involved or he hired someone else. And immediately, it became a media spectacle. So everyone kind of had their opinions. Now, again, he wasn't kind of an active A-list celebrity at that point in his career, in his life but all of his kind of fame and his notoriety came back and the case was followed just extensively. I think also pretty quickly Bonnie's background kind of came to light. Uh And so we don't victim blame on, on this show, but a lot of people do and absolutely that happened completely when during all of the coverage of this.
0: Yeah, I have it in my notes, but he retired from acting in 1997.
1: Yeah, so he hadn't been doing stuff in a while. So again, the media scrutiny was intense. He was suspected from the beginning. Everyone kind of, you know, had their theories about this and that. And you have to remember, this is not very long after the OJ trial. So celebrity murder Uh, was, you know, that it was like a cottage industry that hadn't really died down from that case. So it was just covered constantly. Bonnie was pretty well dragged and he did nothing to defend her, you know. So he's claiming innocence, but yeah. he's he's definitely not acting like a grieving husband in any kind of way. Not defending her, just, you know, very strange. And I think remembering that time, that was the impression that you got in everything was just, he's just a strange dude. Mm-hmm and eventually he was arrested and he was charged and he was tried but one of the tactics of the defense team was to pull out her past and to say not necessarily in a victim blamey type of way although i definitely think that was their plan they just couldn't be too heavy-handed with it Mm -hmm. or it might backfire right So they were just like, well, we're not judging her, but, you know, look at all of this. And basically what they came out and said was, listen, she ran all these scams. She was married many times. Like, even her first husband, she got him deported. There were a lot of people who might want her dead, essentially, was their defense.
0: Which is a reasonable defense. I mean, because it's like, well, the husband did it. And it's like, okay, well, you already have to go against that. Right. So, like. But I agree with you. I'm sure it was also to bias and prejudice the jury against her being the victim. I mean, nothing she did deserved a death penalty. Like, it's Absolutely. so stupid.
1: Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, you know, I think the human weakness to conflate and connect and discount, you know, if someone, yeah, if someone possibly has a bunch of people out there who might want to kill her, then maybe she did kind of deserve it. I mean, there's a part of the human brain that just functions like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's for our survival. And I think it takes conscious effort to turn that off. It doesn't take any effort to activate it other than just allowing that information into the court record. Yeah. So in 2005, the spring of 2005, Blake was found not guilty. Of Bonnie's murder. And one of the two counts of soliciting a former stuntman to murder her. So I I don't think anyone ever thought that he had pulled the trigger. But that count was also, he was found not guilty. The other count of solicitation was dropped. After everyone found out that the jury was deadlocked. But it was 11 to 1 in favor of an acquittal. Mm. So... During this time, they, you know, attack the credibility of the people that he had supposedly hired to kill her. I mean, they basically just used every technique in the book. And I'm kind of like, okay, well, maybe they're not credible. But I mean, we're talking about hired killers. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? So it's just one of these cases where, again, the parallels to the Johnny and Amber thing. It's like everyone involved seems like they had some bad stuff going on. And Bonnie never deserved to die. I think that a through line with all of this is, you know, she did care for her children. She sent them money. I think money was a thing for her. It's how Mm -hmm. she felt good about herself. It's how she showed others that she cared. It's how she thought others should show that they cared for her. You know, it it was a thing for her, obviously. But after the acquittal, her children cared for her and I mean they had had some connection even though she didn't day-to-day raise them. They actually uh, brought a civil case against Robert Blake for wrongful death and later that year, November of 2005 he was found liable for the wrongful death of his wife and so similar to OJ, you know it didn't meet the threshold of Without a reasonable doubt, but it did uh-huh. meet the threshold um, in a civil trial. And the popular theory is that Blake had worked in collusion with a longtime bodyguard to hire a former stunt person to be the trigger person. After this finding in civil court, the jury ordered Blake to pay $30 million to. Bonnie Lee Bakley's family Mm -hmm. in 2006 Blake filed for bankruptcy. He had debts of $3 million uh, for unpaid legal fees and taxes and all kinds of stuff. The state of California filed a tax lien, yada, yada. I think essentially her family has probably not seen much of that money. Yeah. And he is still alive and kicking at the age of 88 you know, I think be besmeared, be smeared, and ruined in credibility. I think you know most people believe that he did it, even though he was not convicted. But still, still kicking, still living free. Yeah. And Bonnie's Bonnie's murder is officially unsolved to this day.
0: The thing that makes me think he did it mm-hmm. is forgetting your gun in the restaurant it's so bizarre Mm -hmm. and I I do know that truth is stranger than fiction blah 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 but like to me (laughs) that reads of like there's so many layers to it one he carries a gun because he's afraid for his safety the neighborhood Mm -hmm. like it's setting already a story that it's dangerous out there and he's worried about their safety yeah and then the other piece is well it can't be me because my gun was here and my gun wasn't used we have direct <laughs> proof of that like Which it just is feels like, like if
1: a nine-year-old were planning a crime yes. right
0: <laughs> like there's so many layers to it that it just feels like that's the detail to me that's like well that's so insane i think it was planned
1: yeah yeah i mean you know again like remembering seeing the press coverage and he just came off as so bizarre and i don't i don't know that it, it wasn't like it's like there was no framework to to say well look he doesn't even seem sad because it was just so bizarre from the start you yeah. know but to my mind yeah, she scammed a bunch of people, but her scams were so low level. You know, it's not like she was scamming people out of a million dollars. I think it all accumulated to a lot over mm-hmm. time and in the aggregate. But to my mind, there's no one with a stronger motive than him. And again, I think it comes down to that agreement. I think I think he didn't he realized he didn't love her, but I don't think he realized that it was a con essentially yeah. for her. I think he thought that she loved him because I think she there were elements of obsession. And I think kind of that like fawning over celebrities can look a lot like what looks like love for some people. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that he understood it was a con. And so I think he, in some ways, almost thought he was conning her, right? Like that agreement yeah. was very lopsided. He thought that he could make her miserable and she would want to divorce him. And then he would get the kid. I think that's what he thought. And And so it was probably
0: so bad. Yeah. That then in his mind he's like, Oh, well, so if I leave, now I've screwed myself because I don't get my child. Yeah. And I guess I need to have her killed.
1: Yeah. So in his mind the only way to leave and have his daughter was to have her killed. Which, I mean, it's fucking nuts because it's like, you're a celebrity. I'm sure you could find a lawyer who could fuck her in court. and like, Especially with your
0: PI and stuff. Like all that evidence to besmirch her reputation. Yeah. And the fact that she wasn't the caregiver to any of her other children.
1: Exactly. But I, I think he, I don't think he's probably the smartest guy. Again, I agree with you about the choice of the gun instead of like, I forgot my jacket or... Well, and
0: who takes their gun out at the table?
1: (laughs) I know. I mean, it's all so ridiculous. But, I mean, I think that just speaks to, one, his thinking of things as like staging a play, you know, because he's an Uh actor and he, you know, I think you read... So back in the day, he was like super famous. And so I think... In his mentality, he had the mentality, even though he didn't have the fame anymore, he had the mentality of someone super famous, which was like, oh, I'm, I mean, I'm better than I am. I'm smarter than I am. I'm, you know, whatever. And so he created this like storyline as if he's writing a a script for one of his shows, but it's like very facile and and like childish in totally h- how like heavy handed it is, you know? So yeah I mean to me again like he's alive don't sue me but I think the likelihood that it was him who orchestrated it is extremely high.
0: (laughs) Yeah our opinions opinions.
1: Just our opinions for what it's worth.
0: So speaking of him being a famous actor Mm -hmm. I also wasn't too familiar. I only knew about it from like the periphery of the case being mm. on TV, I don't know anything about him really. And he's come up in two previous episodes. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, he in his career, he played real life murderer Perry Smith in the 1967 in Cold Blood uh-huh. And then he also played real life murderer John List. And the 1993 tv movie judgment day the john list story yeah so that got me curious about his filmography he was a child actor starting in 1939 in the little rascals Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: he appeared in 40 shorts between 39 and 44 wow so you know this is not quite Judy Garland time, but, like, children treated like absolute shit Yeah. in these, air, air quote, careers. Yeah. Like, terrible environment.
1: A bunch of those little rascals ended up really fucked up.
0: Yeah. And he was able to successfully transition into an adult actor. hmm And he starred in 108 movies and 45 TV shows...
1: Holy cow.
0: Including the lead role in the very successful police show, Beretta. Beretta! Uh, So, I thought it was a good use of my time to (laughs) go deep into his filmography. Yeah. And, you know, he'd come up in two episodes, so how many times was he a killer? hmm yeah and this is (laughs) non-exhaustive i i went deep but it's non-exhaustive because it's a long list and a lot of them are very old with no online details oh wow but i did find some interesting things so he was in a lot of war movies and tv shows Mm -hmm. gang movies and shows Mm uh a lot of shows where he's a killer police Mm. shows where he's also killing Mm -hmm. uh so there's a lot so there's a tv show called the new breed and robert plays a character who shoots and kills a woman Mm. (laughs) and death valley days he played billy the kid Uh. in the movie tell them willy boy is here he played a real life person who killed in self-defense he yes. played George Milton in the TV movie remake of of Mice and Men. Uh, he played Jimmy Hoffa in the TV movie Blood Feud. Um, there were multiple projects where he played someone wrongly accused of murder. Hmm. So there's a good chance he's going to pop up again in a future episode. Wow. But like I said, he, he officially retired from acting in 1997.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, but after, well, you mentioned the three million dollars and mm. debts, unpaid legal fees, the the California tax lien, that was over a million. And he talked about getting back into acting mm-hmm. to help pay. Yeah, and I just assume they wouldn't have him, right. Like, I think the scandal was too big, the case was too big, public perception was too big. Today, like, if all of this would have been a decade or two later, maybe that wouldn't have been because Mm -hmm. we seem to just forgive everyone and cancel culture isn't actually real. Yeah. (laughs) But it's very doubtful he'll ever act again. Yeah. And instead of restarting that career, he launched a now-deleted YouTube channel in 2019 and on it he discussed his life his career he also opened a now defunct website where um he sold scripts and memorabilia and like talked about his experiences Mm. so that's enough about his career but i definitely Mm -hmm. wanted to do that look and i when i tell you i went through imdb and googled all like 150 things that he was in (laughs) it was a real rabbit hole
1: i had no idea i mean i knew about beretta because and i knew about the ones that we had talked about but i didn't realize he was in so many other things
0: yeah with lots of killing
1: yeah well i mean he's a strange dude Mm -hmm. and i mean he's pretty believable as a killer
0: yeah so now turning into sort of the bread and butter, the media that came from the crime. hmm Starting with books and nonfiction, um, there's only a couple. 2001's Murder in Hollywood, The Secret Life and Mysterious Death of Bonnie Lee Bakley, and that was by Gary King. And mm-hmm. then there was another in 2002, Blood Cold, Fame, Sex, and Murder in Hollywood by Dennis McDougall and Mary Murphy. Mm. And... There's one other, air quote, nonfiction book. (laughs) Uh, But that's open for interpretation, which is Robert Blake's autobiography, Tales of a Rascal, What I Did for Love, that came out in 2012. So really quickly, I'm going to read a bit of the book's marketing copy. Okay. This stuck out to me. I feel like I'm excited to hear how... How this comes across to you. <laughs> so, quote 78 years of what I did for love, the wisdom that came through the awful grace of God, the black rainbow that led me on and assured me that there must be a pony, the eyes that saw so little in the ears that when I was quiet I could hear the heartbeat of the universe, the indomitable spirit that God graced me with that forced me to live the worst 9 months of my life in my mother's womb and the worst 12 months of my life in a cement box that the crooked cops, DA's and judges wanted to be my coffin. Through the acquittal of the murder charges when the world saw me on cloud 9, it turned into a mushroom cloud. Some day I'll tell you about it if you choose to join me on the journey of this book. I swear before God, it is not a performance, but the blood and guts, rainbow and glory, warts and all of a gifted life beyond imagination. Not a coffee table book. Pool table? Yes. Lunch counter? Yes. From dancing for nickels to dancing in the clouds, from a murder rap to the high wire without a net. End quote.
1: What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like something that was written by an ai doesn't it (laughs) (laughs) it's like it sounds human but also word salad it's crazy
0: it's gross (laughs) it gave me the creeps
1: (laughs) that is so fucking bizarre
0: yes like we threw around the term narcissist talking about bonnie like I'm not trying to hold back. Like, yeah. Robert Blake is fucked up.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Oh my God. And also, I mean, I've heard celebrities say this, but they, I've heard more than one say this or something to this effect that basically, like, you mature to the age when you reach fame and Mm -hmm. then you stop. And, like, I mean, he was like eight. I mean, he there's something about his psychology and, and like behavior that feels childlike, doesn't it?
0: Yes. Well, and ooh, okay. I got to have no identifying details. <laughs> I knew a person mm-hmm. that was a child prodigy mm-hmm. who could also be an extremely unlikable person
2: are you talking
0: about me (laughs) and that person's parent would always tell them your talent is a gift from god and the people who don't like you are jealous of your talent yeah jealous of you and god gave you these gifts and they're jealous yeah and seeing how that person (laughs) grew into adulthood with Mm -hmm. that piece i mean it made total sense why they were so annoying at times yeah but it's like they would be the villain in a story that they were presenting to me as victim yeah
1: yeah 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 (laughs) yeah and so
0: yeah i i I felt some parallels yeah to that person from my life
1: (laughs) yeah yeah Ugh. yikes
0: yeah I'm glad you also thought it was gross. It's like, what if you're like, oh, that's beautiful.
1: (laughs) I feel so touched. I've changed my mind about him.
0: (laughs) So staying in the nonfiction, Barbara Walters Presents American Scandal covered the case in 2015. Mm. The next year, it was featured in the docuseries Most Shocking Moments in Entertainment. And in 2019, it was featured in Hollywood Homicide Uncovered. Mm-hmm. Also in 2019, Blake himself was interviewed for 2020. Initially, he declined the interview, delegated it to friends, but then agreed to participate where he discussed the murder, the behavior of the police who dealt with him, the culture of Hollywood, his early life, and difficulties with his parents. Which, Mm -hmm. again, not making excuses, but just putting the facts out there, his childhood was incredibly fucked up. Yeah. So not just the Hollywood sign. uh, So like this is a no defense of a potential murderer, but he was abused by his alcoholic father. He was bullied in school, had fights with other students. He was expelled. He states that he was physically and sexually abused by both of his parents growing up Mm -hmm. and uh, was frequently locked in the closet and forced to eat off of the floor as punishment. He ran away from home at age 14, more difficult years, and then his father eventually committed suicide.
1: Yikes. So. But, I mean, if you strip away the celebrity, that childhood sounds a lot like the other childhoods that we mm-hmm. talk about of the criminals on this show.
0: Yeah. Just in fairness of facts, his childhood yeah. was really fucked.
1: Yeah. Which doesn't mean he's a monster, but... And it doesn't absolve him.
0: Yeah, in fact, that's one of our hypotheses, that a lot of people have childhoods this bad or worse and aren't murderers.
1: Right. But looking the other direction, a lot of people who are murderers had childhoods that looked a lot Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah.
0: So going back into the culture, now over to fiction, Mm -hmm. an episode of Criminal Minds.
1: Of course.
0: (laughs) They use the real-life case, as an example in the episode uh, Mm -hmm. for a trial in which a defendant is widely believed to have escaped justice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, in the episode, they use the real case Mm -hmm. in the fiction. Yeah. And that was about it in terms of culture Mm -hmm. until Mm. Quentin Tarantino and the 2019 Once Upon a Time in Hollywood...
1: Uh, oh, I haven't seen it. Ugh. Confession. That's okay. <laughs>
0: something I should I shouldn't say that.
1: <laughs> what? something tells you I wouldn't sh- like it. Something
0: not right about Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I'm with you. I'm with you.
0: <laughs> um, I always think of this joke. I think it was like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosting uh the Golden Globes or something. Uh-huh. And Tina was something along the lines of like oh, and so many actors are here from all of my favorite movies and TV shows, and Quentin Tarantino's here, who is the star of My Sexual Nightmares, (laughs) (laughs) and I've never forgotten it.
1: Yeah, it's accurate. Accurate.
0: (laughs) Okay, so you're not familiar with the movie. Uh, It features an ensemble cast led by Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie. It's set in 1969 Los Angeles and it follows a fading actor, played by Leo, and his stunt double, Brad, as they navigate the rapidly changing film industry, the looming threat of the Tate murderers. It like really Mm -hmm. gets Manson-y. So it might come up in a Manson episode. But most importantly... Brad Pitt's character, Cliff Booth, is partially based on Robert Blake, as well as the stuntmen, Gary Kent and Gene LaBelle. Mm. And throughout the movie, there's a running theme slash kind of gross joke where that character might have killed his wife and gotten away with it. So the connection to Blake, like it was a loose connection that got Mm -hmm. much deeper with Tarantino's 2021 debut novel, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a novel. (laughs) Uh. Which is partially dedicated to none other than Robert Blake. What? There's a lot of old actors that he dedicated the book to, but Blake is like one of the six.
1: Did any of the others kill their wife?
0: <laughs> no. And in the novel, it's confirmed. Allegedly? <laughs> yeah, the novel actually confirms that Cliff Booth did, in fact, kill his wife. As well as three other people. So, it, like in the movie, it's never answered, but in the book, he like confirms that that happened.
2: Mm.
0: So, the book and the movie, huge successes. Yeah. The film premiered in the 2019 Com Film Festival and it was theatrically released in the US in July of that year and in the UK in August. Mm. It grossed 374 million worldwide and received praise from critics, for the direction and screenplay, the performances, especially DiCaprio and Pitt, uh, cinematography, soundtrack, sound design, costume design. Among its various accolades, the film was chosen by the American Film Institute and the National Board of Review as one of the top 10 films of the year. It received 10 nominations at the Academy Awards, including Best Picture, and it won Best Supporting Actor for Brad Pitt and Best Costume Design. Wow. Best Production Design. (laughs) <laughs> uh it also won Best Motion Picture Musical Comedy, Best Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor again for Pitt at the Golden Globes that year. Mm. It's got an 85% approval on Rotten tomatoes so big success financially, critically all around. Yeah. Looking at the novel, the success continued. It debuted at number one on the New York Times fiction bestseller list. It was also the number one selling book on Amazon. Dwight Garner of the New York Times said of the book, quote, Tarantino is not out to impress us with the intricacy of his sentences. He's here to tell a story in a take it or leave it Elmore Leonard fashion. He gets it. Pop culture is what America has instead of mythology. End quote. Hmm. So I... I liked that line. Like, thinking about America as a relatively new country mm-hmm. and the way that... I mean, pop culture, I mean, it's a big part of our podcast, but, like, pop culture being our number one export and kind of our biggest myth, maybe outside of the American dream. hmm I was like, oh, that's really interesting just thinking about the podcast, not so yeah, much the it, book.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an interesting premise. I, I, I mean, I was hung up on <laughs> the part where he's not trying to impress people with fancy words, like... <laughs> I mean, to me, that's just because, not that he's dumb, but, like, I think he's just pretty simple or basic. Yeah. Um. So I was hung up on that part, which I, I just, I don't know. I don't see the correlation between he gets it, like, he's uses simple language and he gets it and pop culture is our myth like if you just lop off the last part of that I'm like okay yeah that's (laughs) interesting the first part I'm like what (laughs) okay there is
0: one word he loves to write and make other people say and that's the n-word
1: yes yes yeah he is a nuanced individual (laughs) yes
0: (laughs) um but sort of back (laughs) to the book uh he won the 2021 writer of the year at the gq men of the year awards
1: all of that sounds like garbage hot garbage <laughs> <laughs> i'm just here to like shit on all the stuff that you found yes the gq men awards like best i mean that's just like uh white cis gross middle-aged blood that's like the gen x version of like okay, boomer. It reminds
0: me of this vine of a guy at a football game in the stadium, and he's just like, isn't this great? Just guys being dudes. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel about the GQ men of the year.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yuck, yuck, yuck.
0: But Tarantino is obsessed. He has already written and plans to publish a second novel connected to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which features more stories from Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton, the main characters. In June of last year, Tarantino also announced that he plans to produce a stage adaptation of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which he's already written. And there's more. What? An extended cut of the film is currently in the works, and he's interested in creating a TV series based on the fictional TV show in the movie called Bounty Law and he's already written 5 30-minute episodes of that fictional show and plans to write 3 more and he's also planning on directing all of the episodes himself. He doesn't know who's going to play the lead character but in an interview did add that he'd be happy if Leonardo DiCaprio was interested. Weird. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a, a weird cinematic universe that is. It really ugh. is.
1: It really is. And Leonardo DiCaprio is the reason why I didn't see that movie like I don't love Brad Pitt but like whatever but I just cannot take Leo
0: <laughs> so maybe you'll get a tv show of him too
1: Ugh. so but now I feel like I have to watch the sh- the movie at least it's I, interesting
0: if you watch it we can have a discussion of I felt like there was some real fucked up stuff in it that now I just really want to talk to you about but if you ever watch it they're for sure spoilers <laughs>
1: Okay, I'll okay, I'll watch it. It's on my list. I will watch it and we can discuss. And okay. I'll actually do it. Unlike when you tell me you'll watch something and then you don't.
0: I mean, I've still got the rest of my life to <laughs> watch it.
1: I, I'm not getting any younger, Andrew.
0: <laughs> so, just very lastly, cuz there wasn't a lot of culture around this. Um, I mean, there was like huge culture. It's just Yeah not like a, a large quantity it was just yeah. some big stuff um, yeah. but the scottish rock band twin atlantic released uh, once upon a time in hollywood themed music video for their song bang on the gong and the lead singer sam mctrusty <laughs> takes inspiration from rick dalton from the movie And you can hear that on our Spotify playlist.
1: Yeah, so interesting.
0: So there you have it. The small but mighty pop culture legacy of this bizarre case. And even 20 years after the murder, like you said, a lot of people believe he's guilty, but it's not 100%. I mean, it's still divided. And he's so old. It would be interesting to see if he ever does try to make a formal play back to Hollywood for money and Mm -hmm. if Hollywood would consider even taking him back.
1: I mean, Quentin could give him a job.
0: Yeah, he loves him. Dedicated that book to him.
1: (laughs) Wow. So weird. So strange. And, yeah, it's just, it is really sad. It's a sad case. I mean, but, again, I think it's one of these things where, you know, two people with, you know, two complicated people with problems of their own come together and, you know... The problems magna are magnified. Totally. Yeah. Ugh.
0: Well, very interesting, and it'll be interesting to see when or if he pops up again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Ooh. All right, I'm gonna watch that movie. It's on my list. Okay. Well, listeners,
0: as always, we appreciate the hell out of you.
1: Absolutely. Goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs> Never miss a foul detail. Follow us at Most Foul Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: This has been a Facts from Janet production.